Well, hey, everybody, welcome to all of those of you uh, joining us at one of our campuses or joining us online. We're so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Andrew Herman, and I'm the campus pastor here at our Lionel Lakes campus. And I'm not your guest speaker, but I am excited to introduce you to our guest today, Ted Cunningham. He is the founding pastor of Woodland Hills Family Church in Branson, Missouri. And along with being a pastor, he's also an author of several books, including Fun Loving You, which I've had the chance to read, and I loved it. It's a great book that I think gives practical tips on how to carve out time to build your marriage. So make sure you check this out. It's available wherever you buy books, including Amazon, so check that out. But he's also a comedian and guest speaker across the US at conferences and other churches. And it's his third time back here at Eagle Brook. And it's because we love this guy. We absolutely love this guy. So would you help me welcome Ted Cunningham? It's a great weekend and great to be back at Eagle Brook. How many of you have been to Branson here across the campuses? Let me see your hand. Branson, Missouri. I see a lot of senior adults not raising their hands. It's like Disney World for senior adults. You need to get down to Branson, Missouri. I love this place. I love the heart of this church. And I'm excited to share this weekend uh, about communication. And one of my favorite skills in communication, the skill of listening. How many of you would say, I'm an incredible listener. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, we're glad you're at church today. How many of you know someone who could use some help with listening? See, look at now all the hands go up. The skill we're going to learn today comes from a term in the Old Testament, and the term is incline your ear. And before we look at the scripture, I want to demonstrate it first. This is what it means to incline your ear. Everybody just practice it real quick. Just practice it. It'll really help me out a lot. Just lean in and, and just kind of, mm-hmm, inclining the ear. It's the opposite of reclining the ear. This is reclining the ear. And how this plays out in our relationships, because I'm convinced if we learn this skill, it, it's going to increase relationship satisfaction across all of your relationships. It'll improve your relationship with God and others, with your spouse and with your children, with coworkers, with your boss. And we get this term in the Old Testament. We're gonna start in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55, the Lord is speaking through the prophet to his children. And we read, incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I know something about Eagle Brook because I follow this church that every week life is taught here, how to have an abundant life in Jesus. But something I've noticed as a pastor is that when you become brand new believer, you're a brand new believer, you, you place faith in Jesus, your, your, your journey can start off like this, eager to learn, eager to soak it in. But if you've been a believer for a while, our tendency can be to move from this to this. If you've been in the church for a while, you may have come to a service a time or two thinking, there's nothing this guy's gonna share I haven't heard before, and we start reclining. In Proverbs, we read this, from a father to a son. From a father to a son, you see this all throughout Proverbs. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. Looking out across this campus, I see a lot of young people here with their parents. 
you are called to honor your father and your mother. And let me give you a great way you can honor mom and dad. And I hope you do this at least, at least one time today before you go to bed. When mom and dad start talking, this is all I want you to do. You know what's great we're gonna learn today? You can lean in and listen to your parents even when you don't agree with them. You can honor them by leaning in and listening. It's that simple. Leaning in shows honor. Listening says, you matter to me. You are important to me. We even see this incline your ear in the lament psalms. A lament psalm has three parts. And here are the three parts. I am hurting. The enemy is winning. And God you don't seem to be listening. You seem distant. You seem to not be hearing my cries for help. And it's a very emotional psalm. It's a very passionate psalm. We read this in Psalm 86, verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord. So now this term is used toward the Lord. Would you lean in and listen to my cry and to what's going on in me and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Listening, the skill of listening. I started a journey a couple of years ago on trying to become a better listener because I went to lunch with my wife and I asked her on a scale of one to 10, one being terrible listener, 10 being expert listener, how am I doing? And my wife, just like that, says five. I said, well, why don't we just take the lunch hour let you think about it. I don't need an answer right away. You think about it, and when we're done eating, you can, and she said, no, I give you a five. This, this ate my lunch. Man, I, it worked, oh, I was like, and she could see it all over me, like, I'm a five listener. People ask me to come and speak on marriage around the country, and we write about this, and I am a, I am a mediocre listener. She could tell this was wearing on me, and so, and my wife is very good at this. She bails me out. Like, she doesn't like to see people sitting in hurt and pain, so she bails me out. And she said, Ted, when, when we have your undivided attention, I'd give you an eight. <gasps> oh, well, that was a big help, because here's what she said. Now, watch this. If you would consider yourself, anybody here consider themselves a five or across all the campuses? You're like a five. You'd say you're a mediocre listener. Does this church participate when asked uh, to raise? I'm just wondering. I'm just curious. You're a five listener. Let me see your hand. You're a five listener. Okay. This is all I had to do to go from a five to an eight. That's it. I didn't have to understand what she was saying. I didn't have to interpret what she was saying. I didn't watch this. I didn't have to fix her problem. I just had to lean in and listen, and now I'm an eight. I'm moving towards expert. There's a great, great passage in the Song of Solomon that talks to this exact point. It's the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. And Solomon is speaking to the Shulamite woman. They're not yet married. They don't get married until the next chapter. But here is what he says. My dove, stop right there. Guys, if you do not have a pet name for your wife, sometimes you say, sweetie, honey, if you've never thought of one or you don't use one, I want you to go with 
my dove. (laughs) And when you want to draw her out, when you are ready to lean in and listen, simply do this. I look around at some of the big guys. Yeah, that won't be happening with us, babe. <laughs> or you hear the guy go, I'll do it. Coo, 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 coo. Have you ever had, my wife tries to have conversations with me from three rooms away in her house. I'll be sitting in the family room in the recliner, and this is all I hear. And I used to yell, what? Hey, I don't go to lunch we do that. And now you know what I do when she starts a conversation three rooms away. All I have to do is, coo, coo. I was teaching them this in Louisiana recently, and a guy said, yeah, you do that in Louisiana, you'll get shot. I wouldn't be doing the, I wouldn't be doing the dove calls around this place. He doesn't say a snake, a mountain lion, a dove. A gentle, tender dove. Watch in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside. And what he's going to be getting at here is, I want to get to know you. I want to draw you out. And I have discovered in my personal journey that I don't draw my wife out by talking. I draw her out by listening. And he says, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. And then you go right to safety. When she starts sharing what's in the hiding places on the mountainside, when she goes to a deep place in her life and her heart and her soul and it starts coming out, he is a safe person. He receives it. Your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. We instruct our prayer team all the time. People are going to come down and pray with you and they're going to drop some bombs on you. And let me tell you, someone comes and confesses something, deep sin in their life, Here's a bad response. That's not safety. Safety is leaning in, listening, and saying, whatever you share with me right now from the deep places, from the hiding places, from the clefts of the rock, whatever I get from you right now, I'm going to be a safe person. I'm going to be someone that can be trusted. My my wife, uh, she's a uh, She's passionate about her home. How many of you ladies in here are just passionate about your home? You just love everything about your home. Chip and Joanna Gaines, like her, her person. Well, we finally got Chip and Joanna Gaines off the air, which that has done a lot for our marriage, I'll be honest with you. It just <laughs> saved our marriage. But then Netflix in January launched a show called Tidying Up with Marie. And I don't really care for her much either. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> If you haven't seen the show, she's all about helping you declutter your home. Well, decluttering is one of my wife's love languages. She loves cleaning up the house. And so I come walking into our closet right after Christmas. It's January. That show's out. And I come walking in to get something. And my wife is standing there studying one of her sweaters. I said, what are you doing, babe? And she goes, shh, shh, shh. So what's going on? She goes, I'm asking the question. Does this spark joy? And I said, well, what happens if it doesn't? If it doesn't spark joy, I'm supposed to say, thank you. Give it a kiss. Put it in the discard or donate pile. And then she says, she says, I want you and I to do this. Now, 
I believe I speak on behalf of men worldwide. Like, I, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and speak for all of us to say, we ain't ever asking that question. We ask questions, but it ain't that question. What's our primary question, men? Does it still fit? Does it smell? Those are the two primary questions we ask. If it fits and it doesn't smell, we're keeping it. But my wife has two love languages, acts of service and quality time, which means I serve her for long periods of time. And in the middle of those two love languages is this love language that I call pitch, pitch, pitch. She lives by this core value. If you haven't used it in a while, you don't need it. And that's not one of my values. But where does she start with this love language? In the garage. She goes out and gets the garbage can on wheels. She pops the lid back. And like a grocery cart around the garage, she's just looking for stuff. When she gets in this mode, I'm running around the house yelling to the kids, save your stuff! Save it, mom's coming, get whatever you want, you better go get it. My son, my son, if he ever is missing something, he'll ask Amy, uh, yeah, did my jacket survive the purge? But she goes into the garage and she'll hold up one item at a time. Hey, are you still using this? I'll be like, babe, that's a hammer. I haven't seen you use it, lady. When's the last time you used it? I go, I don't know, but I think every home is entitled to at least one hammer. But this is my wife's heart. Now, we can get frustrated with each other, but thats I've decided a long time ago, trying to change my spouse, trying to change anybody in a relationship is absolutely exhausting. I'd rather get to know why. Like, what is going on? What is going on in your heart that makes you want to throw literally everything we own away? What did I do? She told me a couple weeks ago, she goes, you know, I scheduled two appointments for you with Travis. Travis is an ear, nose, and throat doctor. He's an elder at our church. And I said, what, what am I doing? She goes, at 10 year, he's cleaning out your ears. And at 1130, you have a hearing test. And I was like, man, okay. And here's the problem. I passed. That means we got something else we need to be working on. She told me the next week. Yeah, I scheduled a colonoscopy for you this week. I said, I told you I'd listen. We can talk right now if you want to talk right now. I want to find out, though, what's going on. Here's, here's what we want to be when we listen to someone. We want to be a person of insight, a person of understanding. Here's what the Proverbs say. The purpose of a person's heart are deep waters. My wife's desire to pitch, pitch, pitch. My, my son's desires, my daughter's desires, all that, it's just deep within them. Their hearts are deep waters. I want to be a person of insight. The one who has insight draws them out. A person of understanding is able to sit and listen and draws them out. A leader, right? We know there are two types of leaders, authoritarian leaders and authoritative leaders. Authoritarian leaders, they don't want to listen to anybody. Your boss may be authoritarian. I'm just going to make the shots, call the shots, make the decisions. I don't need any input, and he just runs. An authoritative leader says what? An authoritative leader says, I'll, I want to listen. What are your thoughts on this? I want to get as much input as I can. I want to be a person of insight. I do have to make the ultimate call on this, but I'm going to lean in and listen. I want to find out what's in the deep waters around here. And so I want us to dive into the deep waters this weekend just a little bit with 
Uh, I, I call it the six levels of communication. And if you're taking notes, just write down level one all the way down to level six and put a line between levels three and four because we want to become a below-the-line person of understanding. We don't want to live above the line. The six levels of communication, I taught this recently in Prescott, Arizona, and it was a date night, and, <laughs> and I tweeted out, hey, join us at Heights Church, Prescott, Arizona, we're going to have a fun date night tonight, and, and spell check changed my tweet, and I tweeted out to the world, we're, we're going to spend your entire date night looking at the six levels of communism, <laughs> and I thought, I don't even know what they are, but that's probably one fun date night right there. Uh, but these are the deep waters of your spouse's heart, of your friend's heart. And let's, let's work today. Let's put the work and the energy and the time into how do we get to level six, the deep waters with others that we enter into conversation with. Level one is small talk. This is the level that we're on with total strangers. Uh, someone at the grocery store, someone at the bank, someone we run into on the street. Small talk. Next to small talk, put a zero. At this level, there should be zero risk of escalated conflict. Healthy people can exchange small talk conversation without any coming out. And this is very important, especially if you're guilt prone. I'm a guilt prone person. I used to think when I would meet someone at level one and just start talking to them and be like, hey, how's it going today? What's happening? And as I would get into all that, if, if, if any toxicity came out of them, I'd be like, wow, what did I do? What did I say? No. What, what's coming out of them was already in them. Okay? And I don't want to get caught up on this level. I, I want to find out what. What's down here that's driving this? Because all of these levels flow out of level six. I, zero risk of escalated conflict at the small talk level. Level two would be facts. Exchanging basic information. I want you to, at the facts level, put a zero as well. Healthy people should be able to exchange basic information, facts, with zero risk of escalated conflict. But if you ever, like, and sometimes I see this with older couples uh, who aren't really enjoying life together, and they'll try to tell you a story, and, and they start the story off, and he'll say something like, well, you know, on Wednesday, it wasn't Wednesday, it was Tuesday. <laughs> well, we were at the store, we were eating out, and you're like, it's painful, you know? It's like, I, and you get to the point where you're like, I really don't even want to hear the rest of the conversation, if I'm being honest with you. It's so painful. We get so caught up in facts and in, in the details. But you should be able to exchange basic information. But at the next level, do not put a zero. At level three, we have opinions. And this is where I would put a tent, a camper, an RV, whatever in Minnesota reminds you of staying somewhere longer than a few days. Because that's what we tend to do with opinions. We tend to camp out. We tend to just hang out, and you know why? Because I'm going to be right. I'm right, you're wrong, and this conversation isn't going to go well until you get on my page. Can I encourage you as quickly as you possibly can, get off of level three and keep moving? Get below the surface in the conversation, and don't waste a lot of time up here, but let's talk about opinions for just a second, because we struggle in our culture with opinions, and, and I think here's one of the reasons as a culture 
why we aren't doing a great job. We're not getting better at listening. If anything, we're getting worse at listening. And here's one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why. We get our news today from algorithms and social media and cable news networks that reinforce our biases, which means we only listen to news we agree with. You remember when we used to turn on the news and we just got level two facts? I grew up, my dad, I grew up outside of Chicago and we watched Peter Jennings' nightly news every night at 5.30. And I can remember as a kid thinking to myself, this is boring. This is super boring. News ain't boring anymore. Now it's, really, we used to turn on the news to find out what's going on. Now we turn on the news to see, what should I be mad about today? What should you, and look, some of you were having a good time and now you're going. That's the point. How's it work for you in relationships if you're only gonna listen to someone that you agree with? Have you developed the skill to listen to someone you don't agree with? The scripture has much to say about this. In Proverbs, we read, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. What we tend to do with our opinions is we just want our opinions out there, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time listening to yours or finding out where your opinion is coming from. Proverbs says, it's a fool that takes no pleasure in understanding. A fool doesn't want to be a person of insight or a person of understanding, but only in expressing his opinions. And isn't that really what social media has become? A place for me to express my opinions without sticking around for a conversation? And, and like, let's just say the four of you were having a conversation after service, and, and I knew what the topic was, but... You were talking for 10 minutes on this topic, and I come walking by, and I just go, blah, and I'm just like, boom, man, there's a zinger in there with something, a point, a talking point, and then walk on. You would, like you're nodding at me right now, you would, the word for that is rude. It's rude. Expressing my opinion with no desire to get to know another person. Couple things about listening that I'm just gonna ask that you take in. Meditate on this a little bit today. Healthy people aren't threatened by the opinions of others. I can sit down with someone I disagree with and do this. It's not always easy, but we all can do this. I don't agree with your opinion, but I I wanna hear not just your opinion, but as we're gonna dig down into these levels, I wanna know where is it coming from? Why do you think that way? Why do you express that opinion? Here's something about listening. Listening, though, to you doesn't mean that I agree with you. Sometimes we get confused on this. Leaning in and listening doesn't mean we're now on the same page with the strategy that we need to take at work. I can go around the table and listen to everyone, a lot of different opinions, but I don't, I don't have to settle on one of those. But this, again, I think is, is the skill that we're missing in our culture. Disagreeing with you does not mean that I hate you. It just means I disagree with you. And when you and I develop the skill of being able, able to lean in and listen to someone we don't agree with, every time, this is an opportunity for us to show the love of Christ. I always think about Jesus sitting down with the woman at the well. How many issues are in that story in John chapter four? But Jesus sits down and listens. I picture him leaning in and listening to this woman. I can lean in and listen and use it as an opportunity to share my faith in Christ, to show my faith in Christ. But that Listen, that is not where we want to stop. We don't want to stop on level three. We want to go to level four. This is the level every every man in here has been waiting for. Level four 
is feelings. There are men across all of Minnesota right now, at all the campuses going, yes, let's spend the rest of the time on feelings. Because you see feelings and you think he wants me to wear my heart on my sleeve. He wants me to start crying. No, no, I want you to use feeling words like I feel cheated. I feel wronged. I feel uncomfortable. I feel disconnected. I feel abandoned. I feel rejected. I feel judged. I feel controlled. Those are feeling words. And if you can get off of opinions into feelings, here's all you need to do at level four feelings when it comes to listening. And it's, it's, it's this simple, L-U-V. We call it love talk in marriage counseling. L-U-V, listen, understand, and validate. How do you listen? We've been talking about it. Listening is leaning in, but it's also removing distractions. It's removing distractions, technology, remote controls, whatever, and eyeball to eyeball. It's the understanding part that we need to get better at and understanding, one of the best ways you can see if you're understanding the other person is by repeating back to them word for word what they're saying. Because when you put it in your body language, in your tone, it means something completely different. Let me give you an example. I'm going to say the exact same words two different ways, and you're going to see they have completely different meaning. Let's eat, Grandpa. Let's eat, Grandpa. <laughs> this is a meal with Grandfather. This is a meal of Grandfather. The same words said a different way. And have you ever done that in marriage? Oh, so what I hear you saying is, and you repeat back, that's not at all what I just said. Well, if we go back to the court reporter, could you read that back? That's exact, that's like verbatim. But now you put your body language and tone in, and it means something else. Understanding, repeat back, and ask great questions. Find out what's going on. And then you validate. How do you validate someone? Same way you validate your car when you pull it into the parking garage and take that ticket into the restaurant or into the store. You, you walk it in and they just put a stamp on it or they click it and all that says is you were here. You were here. And that's all you, a great communicator. That's all a great communicator is looking for. If you want to move from the three, four, five range up to seven, eight, nine and get better at listening, just walk away from a conversation with the stamp, not a solution. Some of you are like, but we've had, we were talking about, we got to get this dealt with. Okay, if you will listen, understand, and validate, I can't tell you exactly how it works, but I know it works. You'll find that the issues tend to fall away. When both people in the conversation feel that this person listened, they understood what I was saying and where I was coming from, they validated what I was feeling. Listen, feelings are not a right or wrong issue. It's just data. It's telling you what's going on. I'm going to give you a story with these four levels in it. Uh, we were getting ready for my daughter's first uh, birthday party, and I'll never forget the day my wife walked in the, the house with two bags from the party store, and I said, hey, babe, how's it going? In small time, good, you have a good day? Yeah, in small time, what'd you do today? Oh, I went shopping. Okay, guys, I want to remind you, that's a fact, <laughs> and we've agreed that's zero risk of escalated conflict. You should be able to hear, I went shopping and not be stressed. How much did you spend today? Spent $200. That's still a fact. We should be able to discuss that, but now we're getting into opinions because I think $200 for a child's first birthday party is too much. My wife has the opinion, oh, we're just getting started. <laughs> what did you buy for $200? We go back to level two facts. Well, I bought all the gifts 
for the kids that'll be coming to the party. Does that confuse anybody else out there? What do you mean? You're, you're buying gifts for the kids coming to the party. Because where I grew up, Earth, <laughs> birthday party meant kids came and brought your child a gift. Can I get a yeah? That's exactly right on that one. <laughs> I don't know where this all got started. Probably with the same people that brought us juice boxes. I can tell you that right now. She goes, no, the party is themed bees. We're theming the party bees. And everybody leaves with a bag, with an eraser, a pencil, bubbles, uh, whatever, with bees on it. I go, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, so this is just their gifts. I'll have to go back for all the decorations and then all the food. And I'm like, oh, all right. We can stay up here, but I got to find out why in the world did we spend $200 on a birthday she'll never remember. So we want to get to level four, and here's how you do it. I tell her, Amy, I am worried about the rest of our bills. This was 15 years ago before we had online banking. You know, we didn't, you know, I love online banking because it allows me to work through my feelings before she gets home. <laughs> like, the numbers don't surprise me anymore because I already know. I have alerts. <laughs> She's at Target. <laughs> That's my joke of the time. I'm going to be buried in the Target parking lot so I know she'll visit me three to four times a week. That's, that's really why I'm going to be buried there. But this is what I would say to her. I'm worried about the rest of our bills, and I would just explain to her, now think about it. Now we're not even talking about the birthday party. We're talking about something, something else. I said, I got all the bills lined up in the office, in the home office like this, and, and I know when to grab them. This is like a $200 surprise wasn't planning on this and Amy listens understand oh yeah and and when she says something as simple as this I, I didn't even think about that yeah I'm sorry I didn't even think about the other bills and I, I thought it was assumed I didn't know we had to discuss these major purchases like this but and she begins understanding and validating oh I like it okay good all right and then I go can you tell me why why are we spending two hundred dollars on a check because 200 is too much. 200, we're just getting started. But now feelings, she says, I'm uncomfortable with having people over to our home and it not looking good. Well, uncomfortable, that is a great feeling word. Oh, okay, explain to me. Because I, I didn't get this early on. I, didn't get, I remember asking her, hey, you know, what can I help you do to get ready for Corinne's first birthday? And this is my Joanna Gaines wife right here. She goes, oh, thank you, babe. Would you lay ceramic tile for me in the kitchen? <laughs> what? I, I can go and give you a ton of opinion. I, I got to pull up the linoleum and then that'll take a day and then I got to lay the backer board. That's a day to dry and then tile day to dry and then I got to do the grout day to dry and she's hearing all that. I'm saying all that so she goes, oh, never mind. She hears all that and goes, ooh, you should probably get started right away. <laughs> you, you're going to have differences of opinions but I get she's uncomfortable. She has the gift of hospitality, and she wants people to walk away. Hospitality, it has the same root word as hospital, place of healing. She wants our home to be a place of healing. She wants your kid to have the snacks and the juice boxes and the gifts and the all. That's who she wants. Oh, walk away going, man, I, because she believes when you show someone hospitality, it's almost the same thing as listening. You're telling them you matter to God and you matter to me. 
well, what am I going to sit there and go, oh, well, who cares? You start putting it like that. Now we got to level five, desires and needs. And Amy starts saying, I want. Now we're beyond feelings. And I want Corinne to feel special. If we've done the work at feelings and listening and understanding and validating one another, we get to this level here. I'm not at a point where I'm like, I hear her say, I want Corinne to feel special. I'm not responding with, well, I don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do too. We have very different opinions on what that looks like. But look at how quickly we're on the same page. I, I'm convinced above the line is when you want to be opponents. Below the line is when you want to be teammates. When you want to validate one another and realize, why are we on opposite ends of the field coming at the ball? Why aren't we on the same end of the field going down the field together? Because I want to get to level six. I want to be a person of insight and get to the beliefs. You know what beliefs are? They're messages written on the heart. Every single one of you, I, I, I can't even begin to count how many messages are written on my heart, on Amy's heart, and on your heart. Messages on the heart. And you know, driving this whole conversation, she has a message on her heart that birthdays are a big, honking, huge deal. That's her belief, and all of it flows out of that. Why? Well, we call this family of origin and counseling because she grew up in a home that it was talked about months ahead of time. It was planned months ahead of time. And I grew up in a home that my parents showed me a lot of love. I have lo I never once in my 45 years of living questioned my parents' love toward me. But on my birthday, my dad on the way out the door would yell up the stairs, happy birthday, son, and put 10 or $20 bill on the table. And that was birthday. And I never once go, they don't love me. I'm not getting a party. I, we, didn't, we didn't do that. And so a message is something you heard over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually you started believing it. It's become cliche in counseling, and I kind of hate that, but, you know, lay down here on this couch right here and tell me about your father. Well, the reason for that is I want to know what was said to you over and over and over and over again, and eventually you started believing it. It's actually one of my favorite things to do in counseling when someone shares with me a lie, like they have the feelings of I am worthless. I love to pounce on that and go, that is a lie. I don't know who said it. I don't know how long it's been there, but that is not true about you. And then I get to open up the word of God and share with them their value and the reason they need to be in small group and the reason they need to be in church listening to the word of God is because they need those new beliefs written on their hearts. We, I, I didn't understand what was going on, but this all now makes sense to me. When we were first married, I, I remember getting ready for Christmas, just being ticked off. I couldn't understand, when, what is going on? Even to this day, 23 years into marriage, come December, by the time I'm pulling the 46 box down out of the attic that says Christmas decor on the side, I am in no mood to celebrate the birth of my Lord and Savior. I'm ticked off, <laughs> like completely and totally ticked off. And Carson will bring me an ornament. Hey, Dad, I made this. I'll put it on the tree. <laughs> like, where is that coming from? You know where it's coming from? Beliefs. My wife grew up in a home that it was like the White House. There's like a tree in every room, garland over every door, lights outside, inside. And you can't set up the tree until the right cookies are being baked. And Andy Williams is playing, it's the most wonderful time of that. And the whole time I'm just, yeah, yeah. And Amy's like, do you hate Christmas? I go, I don't hate Christmas. 
But that's what she was thinking. There's something going on here. Uh, 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 what you're experiencing up here is being driven right here because my family, we had a skill. We decorated for Christmas on a commercial break. I'm not kidding. On a commercial break, my dad would go over to the pegboard on the crawl space and undo those screws, move the pegboard over, reach in, grab a three-foot pre-decorated tree with a garbage bag over it, put it on the dehumidifier. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And we went back to watching That's Incredible. We were ready. Do you understand how this works? Have you ever had a moment where you were at your in-law's house and your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, they say or do something and you're like, huh, that's why. You're getting into level six. Amy, why do you want to purge every January? Why do you want to get rid of everything we own? Why is Christmas such a big deal? Why is birthday such a big deal? I want to get into the heart of the person that I'm speaking to. And you do that by leaning in and listening, asking great questions and repeating back what's being said. Because you know what I do now? Now I walk into the closet when she's sparking joy. <laughs> and I love it. The scripture says bright eyes, glad in the heart. Now I walk in, not fresh. I walk in and go. And I love it. I go over. I grab her by the back of the head. I bring her down to here. <laughs> and I look her in the eyes and I say, Would you stand and let's close in prayer today. Father, we are grateful to be in a place that values the heart and understands the heart. And oh, to spend another hour talking about all the different messages that can be written on it. There are people right now in here with messages on the heart that are lies that were placed there years ago. And, and every day in every relationship, those lies are coming to the surface uh, I pray right now that uh, they, they know, they fully grasp that they are in a safe place to share those messages with others, that they would find the community here to do so, and find the safety to do so, that they would share those, and that loving followers of Jesus would gather around them and begin to show them the truth of what's true about them. Give them the truth that they can write those messages on their heart. You have done that. Your, your word says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he has been raised from the dead, we will be saved. If we believe in the heart, the heart is where you do your business. And I pray for the hearts of all those here and across all of the campuses this morning. We pray all of this as we work uh, and study and grow at becoming better listeners. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray it. Amen. Love you, Eaglebrook. Thanks again for allowing me to be here and share.